0: Hello, Heroes. I'm Hannah Schaefer.
1: And I'm Evan Rowland. Welcome to Design Doc. In
0: 2009, I felt like the world was ending. The United States was reeling from the housing market crash. It was impossible to find a job fresh out of college, and Evan and I were obsessed with reading about collapse and what it looked like to be stuck in a society falling to pieces. It's hard to know what to do when the future feels menacing. We spent a lot of time learning about why economies fail, which plants you can eat outside, and thinking about where to find meaning in an unstable world. It was a pretty sad time. But we came to a conclusion. The best thing you can bring into an uncertain future is a community of people who care for each other. We started reaching out. We met new people. And among those people were a weird and unusually enthusiastic group of friends. They called themselves game designers. Amidst the gloom, there were these beautiful moments of connection. Nights spent cooking and laughing with these new friends, getting to know people through collaborative storytelling, making worlds together, and talking about what those imaginary worlds could teach us about our own. When the gloom lifted, we wanted to find a way to make sense of the things we had learned. That desire turned into a role-playing game, a game about finding meaning in a collapsing society. And with the help of our new friends, we managed to make that game a reality. Questlandia came out in 2014. It was the first thing we'd ever published, and its success, however modest, enabled us to enter the world of games. It's been three years and three Kickstarters since Questlandia launched. Now, we're revisiting the process as we begin work on its sequel. The sequel is a chance to preserve and appreciate the things we loved about Questlandia, a chance to improve and revisit the things that didn't work, and a chance to take the things we've learned and hopefully make something better. Questlandia was an expression of who we were at a specific moment in time, and this new game will be an expression of who we are now. At this point, Questlandia 2 is still just a concept. We've talked about it, but there isn't a single word written or picture drawn. This podcast is being recorded as we go. It's a living, week-to-week diary of our design process, and we're excited to have you along for the ride. Uh, so, Evan... Hello. Hello. (laughs) We have questions for each other. Okay. so the first question that I have to talk about is what do we know about this new game, and what are some of the things that we know we want to have in it?
1: So as soon as we were conceiving the sequel, we knew that we wanted to make it a campaign game, an ongoing sort of long-term game, as opposed to the one-shot original, which was maybe one session maybe two sessions but then you, it was over and whatever world you were exploring you you know threw it right in the trash
0: well yeah may <laughs> <laughs> maybe yeah harsh words <laughs> but you recycled it that is certainly how some people felt <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: well it was a i think it happened over and over with the original is that you'd create a world and it would be a engaging Fantastic world. It would would feel actually like a unique fantasy world, and you feel proud of it because you you formed it from nothing. It was just the magic of the table, and by the end of the game, you weren't ready to say goodbye. You know, you still felt like there were more stories to tell. There was more to learn about the world that you made.
0: Yeah, and the game has sort of had this ongoing issue where the world building is so extensive at the beginning and even though it really I mean it it's required to play the second half of the game where you're actually playing out these scenes and the lives of characters but like for some people that world building would end up taking two and a half three hours yeah. out of a a one-shot game which
1: and you know we doesn't work back with the original we were trying to look at ways to cut that down but we were finding that it was a really gratifying important part of the game So it was left in, and I think with the sequel, we have a chance to take that hefty world building and do it justice.
0: So we want it to be a campaign game. Um, One thing that is maybe kind of silly, but something that we've talked about is, like, I want it to have dice.
1: The tactile feeling of playing the game, the feeling of actually, you know, rolling dice or spinning pencils or whatever it ends up being, but, like, having a, a... physical way to sort of express your will in the world. I think it's a really important part of games. It's a it's a part of the experience. We want chance to matter. We want you to be excited when it comes to a decision moment like that. So keeping a randomizer, keeping something tactile and active and clattery as you play.
0: Yeah, there's something. I mean, I've played and enjoyed games without dice, but there's something about like the sound of them on the table and I like that I can fidget with them as a nervous player. And then I like that when it's my turn, I can, like, make the noises. Mm-hmm. It's my turn to make the noises. What's going to happen? I get so excited. Like, I can't think of anything else that quite compares to it. I mean, maybe drawing cards, but without the loudness.
1: Dice are excellent. Dice <laughs> those are great. Uh, are, I don't know if we're committed to six-sided yet.
0: That's true. Yeah. yeah. Who knows? <laughs> so... There's this thing that we wanted to have, which I had argued against initially, and I know we'll be talking a lot more about it. But do you want to say?
1: We wanted to have a connecting sort of world between the worlds.
0: Wait, you have to say you have to say you have to say the phrase because it's going to become one of our our game design. Meta.
1: A. a
0: meta. Meta world.
1: A meta world. Meta world. We wanted to create a meta world, a world that's outside of and between the worlds that you explore in the game. And we want this world to be one that we, the designers, are describing to the players, that that it's a, a shared world. So everybody who plays the game has this same framework for when they go in. And part of the reason we wanted this is because you'd create fantastic worlds in the original Questlandia. But you would have no basis to talk about them with other players because their world would just be absolutely nothing like yours, which is both wonderful, but it also means you kind of have to start from scratch every time you want to actually share what kind of game you just played. So a world that everybody has the same language for, that everybody's explored together, that they know some of the characters of, gives you a starting, like a jumping off point to say, like, from here this is where we went.
0: It's also, like, it's a little strategic, too, because we are shit at describing our own role-playing games. And, like, I feel like it's easy to use these words for Questlandia. Like, it's a world-building. It's fantasy world-building. Uh, but that actually doesn't... That's never managed to capture the tone and the flavor. Like, it is actually a game that has themes. And just to say it's fantasy world-building or, like, fantasy kingdoms collapsing doesn't capture some of the tone that we're going for to so to make this like meta world meta plot gives an easy way to describe a story in non-generic terms
1: and we'll be going into more detail about what we're thinking about that but it's still very much you know amorphous we're still we're still puzzling out what that world should look like
0: but every game that everybody plays every game of questlandia will be connected by this greater story.
1: Right. So in addition to that, one thing that we really want in this sequel is a written record of the worlds that you create. And this is related to why we wanted it to be a campaign. It's the idea that part of what makes Questlandia so fun, in my opinion, is the amazing worlds that you make. You make worlds that you're actually proud of and that you want to see more of. And having the game incorporate a kind of transcribing of your world into a like travel diary into maps into a a package that you can share with people and you can say this is the world i went to this is the kind of creatures i found and the kind of society that i disrupted like that's that kind of sharing feels like it well it does justice to the worlds you make it gives you a chance to Preserve them and remember them and share them. So the actual way that you record the world that you make, we want to be make that an essential and well-thought-out part of this sequel.
0: And it also kind of goes to this thing that I think we'll be talking about a lot, which is like where mechanics, where a game's mechanics can work with instead of disrupting a game's themes, Um, like... It's like you know how people are like, oh, I probably shouldn't say this, (laughs) (laughs) but it's like there there, there's these complaints sometimes that like you know rolling dice in a game or writing something down to remember it during a game is like the same as like putting a condom on before P and B sex, (laughs) and it's like disruptive, and it's bad because who's been saying this to (laughs) you? I don't know if anybody has actually made that exact comparison. <laughs> but that's how that is how the people act. Like that they're yes. like, oh, rolling dice or like if I have to take a notebook to the table to take notes, then I then it takes me out of the world building. Right. The way that somebody's like, Oh, if I have to wrap it up.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, they're spot on. I'm glad
0: you agree. <laughs> So, I mean, what we want is like finding a way to make a role playing game that is in line with the sex positivity of, yeah. of new conversations about sex that are like. This game should be yeah. like taking
1: off a con. Yeah.
0: So, I may have taken. <laughs> I may have gone in the wrong direction with that, but like, I want, you know, a. I'm somebody who writes a lot of, like I write everything down during a role playing game. It helps me remember, like it actually helps with immersion, but I know that sometimes people at the table are looking at me like, What are you doing? Why are you why are you writing notes? What are you doodling while we're in the middle of this game? And I like literally want to like mechanize that as a thing you do during the game that's something that both helps the player and it's totally okay, keeps everybody safe. Er <laughs> <laughs> Agree. <laughs> Thank you.
1: <laughs> All right. So what do we want to keep from the original game?
0: Well, there are a lot of the game's original themes we really like, like the fact that it explores a troubled, failing society.
1: Yeah. We're still going to have a lot of dying societies on display yeah, that you're definitely. exploring. Society's in trouble.
0: So no worries. We will still kill the worlds. <laughs> <laughs> we still want to watch them burn
1: right we'll still have worlds where as you play there's an escalation of danger of collapse it'll still have these different elements of the societies that are going to be crumbling Uh, sometimes maybe because of you sometimes unrelated to your actions
0: or sometimes despite your best efforts right Uh, one thing that I don't know if we even captured this successfully or in original Questlandia but one thing that I've always wanted is that Questlandia is it's I don't want to say it's an anti-heroes game but I, I never wanted it to be a hero's tale I always really liked the idea of like zooming in on these people who were just sort of thrust into this situation that's largely beyond their control and maybe some of them end up being heroes whether they want it or not but it's Like, it's not a game about heroes. It's just a game about a bunch of people trying their best during an unpredictable moment in time.
1: In the original game, when you're creating your characters, you choose from a set of characters that you create using the mechanics of the game. The game will generate a cast from this world, and they'll come from all walks of life. They'll be peasants or kings or magicians or merchants. And you'll have just a little crew of them, and you'll choose one. You're like, all right, I'll follow the story of this this merchant. And I think by doing that, we, we set up a way for you to explore all facets of the society and to be thinking of it as a whole, and to break down some of the ideas of a single important hero. You know, only the king can change things, or only a brave hero could solve this crisis
0: this is like your destiny is bound up
1: right that's a philosophy that I still care about and I still really appreciate and I want to preserve in the sequel
0: would you call it like nihilistic?
1: No I to me it reminds me of uh, of Tolstoy of war and peace where Tolstoy writes about a war and writes it writes about Napoleon, writes about the leaders of the war but also tells a made-up story about citizens just living like normal lives during this war war and his his idea is that history doesn't belong to the rulers it doesn't belong to the heroes history is the sum total of all the people who make it up and he viewed war and peace as a history a history book like a history textbook even though it has this drama of individuals living in those times he thought that was a more accurate a more fair way to represent it so i've always thought of questlandia of having a similar theme It's war and peace a sort of war and peace so
0: basically the war and peace of world playing it games. is not to, it's slightly not underrated
1: <laughs>
0: <noise>. <laughs> we'll show them won't we <laughs> i liked the analogy all right i don't want to cut it too bad <laughs> So, here's another, like, band banned role-playing game term. Metaplot is a term that I want to find new words for. Another one is player-generated fantasy. Right. Like, what does that mean? I mean, no. I know what it means, but it's boring. It is boring. Yeah. <laughs> it's quite a dull.
1: Player-processed.
0: I mean, I'm not saying we have to come up with a new word right now. <laughs> Pasteurized. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, I think some people would describe Questlandia, and I have probably described Questlandia as player-generated fantasy, but I don't. I don't think it captures, like, this is a game like Mist. You know, this is a game like a Miyazaki film. It's it's weird fantasy. It's not like Tolkienist fantasy. It's like, yeah,
1: yeah, fantasy is sort of a a laden term. And it really doesn't express, you know. I played great games of Questlandia, where it's on a mining colony on an asteroid, and it's you know hard science fiction, and that's completely within the themes of the game. That completely works. So fantasy is—it feels like it's not describing the whole of the game. It feels like it's a term that diminishes it. But we want it to be player-generated <laughs> fantasy. We we still want the sequel to be this have this core where it is through the alchemy of people throwing out ideas at the table and talking about what they care about and what interests them about a society and taking those sort of fundamental elements and creating a unique fantasy out of it.
0: Table-generated fantasy. Table, table-empowered mm. words.
1: Table words.
0: <laughs> All right. Um, we'll table that so here is the worst question when do we want to have this done
1: <laughs> uh soon what's soon in a year
0: ish yeah in like
1: in about a year
0: I like I like the idea of <laughs> this is so dangerous like I like the idea of having it on Kickstarter next October because I love fall
1: mm-hmm Yeah.
0: And I love being done with things. Yes. But it's very risky to make these promises. This is
1: is not a promise. This is not a guarantee. (laughs) Uh, And if you're the kind of person who wants a guarantee, you should forget what you just heard.
0: You won't get it.
1: You won't. It's sort of crucial to the process to actually have a timeline and have a goal and know where you want to go with it. (laughs) It's
0: also crucial to, like, have a game.
1: (laughs) Right. (laughs) Uh, you know, this is still in a super amorphous state and it's hard to know how many dead ends we're going to arrive at before we find the finished version. But having a framework, knowing what we're shooting for at least, gives us a strategy. Tells us like, well, it might be a good time to start a podcast. <laughs>
0: <laughs> One year from this day.
1: Exactly. Promise. I
0: promise. <laughs> Pinky swear. <laughs>
1: Who are the people that we want to play this game?
0: I wrote down sad people. Yeah. Yep.
1: This one goes out to the saddies.
0: Oh, you saddies out there.
1: (laughs) Well, this is a game about finding meaning in a terrible situation. It's about a sad world and people who are struggling. It comes from that place. That's where the original came from it was us struggling in a world that we were worried about that's not going away that's still that's still a crucial part it's the heart of the game it is a search for meaning it's the contrast of the individual and the society and figuring out what's the best you can do as a person
0: yeah i mean it's like it's funny to say sad people but i was a sad person <laughs> When we were making this game, I mean, I was I was incredibly sad and scared. And I feel like the things that I was the most scared of and the things that I managed to sort of reach out of that fear to feel hopeful about made it into the first version. I don't I don't know how well we were able to communicate that because also like it's our first game. Yeah. So, you know, clunky. But I wanted it to be a game that helps people reach out from the darkness and feel like they're finding people through this game and finding meaning in this game and able to connect the stories that they tell and the worlds that they make to their lived experience.
1: Mm -hmm. We want this to be a game for queer people. We want it to be a game for people who are at the edges of society, who feel like they're on the outside looking in. And it's a chance to look at how societies could be, how things could be different. It's a chance to figure out what meaning you can have as a person when society isn't giving you that meaning, when society doesn't have a place for you.
0: And we want it to be a game for new role players, like that it Mm -hmm. can that there's something that's being communicated about this game that before you even before you've opened it up, before you're worried about what the mechanics are, that there's there's something communicated that says, like, this is a game you can play if you have never played a game before. I don't know how to do that in a book that's like 300 pages or 200 pages, however long this book is gonna be. Yeah, (laughs) it's gonna be a a new challenge. Uh, I mean, I remember
1: telling people who who haven't played role-playing games in the first game. And I was like, you know, it's a storytelling game. And this is the book of rules that we're selling. And they're like, okay, so it's just the rules. How long is it? I was like, it's 100 pages. And they were like, oh my God. (laughs) What kind of game would I play that has a 100 page long rulebook? It's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> so we were going to go for 300.
0: But to just make it seem totally accessible. Right. Yeah. Uh, hmm. Okay. Yeah. We don't have the answers yet, but that's one of our goals. Uh a game for people who are creating things and hope to create things, writers and artists, psychonautic seekers of the beyond.
1: There's something really powerful about what it's like when people get to the table and bounce their ideas off of each other and build something out of that bouncing. And Quetzaline Diaz world building really works. It like really, it gives that feeling where you bring to it what you care about and it pops out a whole world for you based around those ideas. So speaking as somebody who writes and somebody who draws, it's really inspiring. It, it helps you break out of the habits of thought and gives you a glimpse of something new. That's great for anybody who seeks new things, you know? Anybody who's an explorer. This is a way to find that.
0: Yeah, I feel like there's been this missed opportunity in role-playing games and I don't know how to I don't I don't know how to communicate it, but it's like the term role-playing game, I mean, you need you need a label because you need to be able to describe things to people. You need to be able True. to tag it on Kickstarter or, like, on your website and say what you're doing and what, what it is that you're making. But I've I've always found role-playing games to be amazing writing tools, and mm-hmm. I, I want to find a way to communicate that, like, this could be a thing that writers can use or a thing that artists can use to help build worlds. And role-playing, that, that is a thing that comes as out as a result of a role-playing game, ends up feeling sort of, like, incidental but not intentional. And I i don't know how to communicate. Like, <laughs> It's so hard. When you try to reinvent language, you just end up sounding like an asshole, too. Because yeah. you're like, this isn't a role-playing game. This is a tool. It's
1: a world-building engine.
0: Yeah, I know. That's the thing. So I think we're going to struggle with that. <laughs> we're going to end up sounding like douches. I mean, in our attempt. hopefully no
1: more than usual. Yeah. <laughs> so... One of our goals for the people who play this game is uh, a wide range of preference for complexity. We want there to be some mechanical heft to it, something to bite into, something to consider and plan and enjoy the the feeling of navigating the rules of this game. But we want to make it, we already said we want to make it friendly to people who've never played a role-playing game before, and we want to make it in line with our previous games, accessible to people who care about storytelling, who like their games rules light, who like to be able to launch into role play without getting bogged down. So the goal is to have a lightweight, seamless set of rules where you don't feel like they're taking you out of it. You feel like they're there to support you whenever you need them and they're enjoyable to use, but not something you have to memorize or agonize over
0: and I think I mean I think this is one of the challenges of trying to pitch a game to veteran and totally new gamers is because there are rules lights like games that give very little guidance that actually end up becoming like games that you'd only be able to play if you've been role playing for years and you have the confidence to just sort of jump in and lead a scene and make something up with no prompts Um, right so it has to be both look like it doesn't have a lot of rules and actually having enough to handhold everybody through the process of telling these stories.
1: It's a tall order. It's, it's <laughs> you know, trying to satisfy some very different preferences at the same time. So pulling that off is a huge challenge, and we're just gonna have to see how well we do. We're gonna try to do as well as we can for making it friendly and exciting for people with all levels of experience.
0: Okay, so we have this question then, why is this a game worth making?
1: <laughs> How dare you?
0: <laughs> I feel like this, I mean, this question is like, it, it may come from like a little bit of snark. I, I don't mean for it to come from a snarky place, but you know, I mean, when you when you bring a game into the world or when you bring a game to Kickstarter, often you'll get at least one person who is like, Tell me why I need this game. Tell me why you deserve my twenty dollars,
1: mm-hmm.
0: or well, this might be more than twenty dollars because it'll be hardback. But
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no promises.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Tell me why you deserve my fifty hard-earned big ones, and I don't. My answer is always like, I don't. I don't want them. Mm-hmm. If that's <laughs> if that's your approach, like it's I'm I'm not going to. I don't want to grovel to you or grovel at you for this thing. Like if you, you know, if you're going in with a degree of skepticism where I have to like aggressively sell you an idea, then like, it's not for you. It should, it means it hasn't leapt out at you in a way that is shiny and attractive. Um, but I, I mean, it's a valuable question. Like, yeah, I'm trying to see past my own snarky response to be able to actually answer like, why does this game matter?
1: It's an interesting question because, you know, it's fair for somebody to ask what makes this game worthwhile. That's a part of deciding whether you want to get into it. But at the same time, it's sort of like walking into a library, going up to a random book and saying what makes this book worthwhile. The thing is, there's thousands and thousands of books. And if they're worthwhile at all, it's because they're saying something to you. There's something in this communication that speaks to you. There's something about its subject matter that grabs you. And without that, it's hard to justify it, right? Like, we could go through the list of labels that, that we're dancing around with this game, you know, player-generated, meta-plots. <laughs> in the end, it's a question of whether the, the, the heart of this game, which hopefully will be expressed in every facet of it, this exploration of meaning in a failing society. If that resonates, we're hoping, we're hoping that this is a message that the people who want that, uh, I don't know what I'm saying, take over, (laughs) abandon ship. I don't know what this game is worth.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but like... I feel like maybe it could come back to some of what we were orig- originally saying about like who this game, who we feel this game is for, why we, why we made this game. I mean, like we tried to make something that felt like it mattered in a moment of I don't know, hopeful desperation. <laughs> mm-hmm. And the idea that 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 intention could could touch somebody. That feels like it matters. That's not what I'm going to tell, like, you know, Mr. Bones XX on Reddit. He's like, why do I deserve your, why do you deserve my $40? I'm not going to be like, listen, in a moment of hopeless, hopeful, hopeful desperation.
1: You know, and we are here again. This does feel like another point in time where it's a time of hopeful desperation. (laughs) It's a tricky time in this society. But we're different people now than we were then and I feel like this is our chance to communicate you know our new ideas and our new values about how to get along in a challenging time.
0: I guess it is interesting that like we started to think about a game about collapse in 2009 in an economic depression for the United States like I had a parent who had just lost a job I had just graduated from college. I couldn't find a job. The jobs that I was working were not safe and yeah. not good. And now here we are in 2017. Things feel stable in my life. Like I I feel stable. I feel like so ready to go forward and to keep making things. I feel really confident and settled in the choices that i've made and this there's just like this world of chaos swirling around yeah (laughs) so personally i feel really grounded and like everything is just spiraling around outside around me and around the people i care about and there are these questions again of like you know what's tomorrow gonna look like
1: yeah so this game will be our our expression of that this is going to be our way of talking about it because i'm coming from a place where i believe that games are communication it's a communication from the designers to the players so we still have more to say we have more to talk about and i hope we say it well through this game
0: and you know on on like maybe a lighter note like as somebody who came to games late in life um, I mean, I, I didn't start to play role-playing games until my mid-twenties. I, like, I, I never played a role-playing game in college. I never played a role-playing game in high school. Sometimes I tried to seek them out, but it was challenging. And, you know, maybe we'll talk more about that. But I selfishly want to remake Questlandia because now, even though I see a lot of flaws in the original now, it's a game that I enjoyed playing and I want to keep playing it. I want to find ways to keep enjoying it. It tells the types of stories that I care about. I like never-ending story type of fantasy. I like Miyazaki fantasy. I fucking love Mist. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm right there with you. <laughs> I mean, Questlandia is one of my favorite games, and it's it feels a little cringy to say so, but, but it's like that for a reason. I mean, when we were designing it, we were designing it to be the game we wanted to play. But now, revisiting Questlandia... It's easier to see some of its flaws than its best points. Which is maybe a curse that'll follow you around forever when <laughs> yeah. you're making games, but but it's still sort of a, a kick in the butt to be like, uh, oh, if we did oh, this now
0: Oh, that game. I don't want to play that game.
1: If we did it now, it, it would have so bad. much better.
0: <laughs> so I guess we can close with maybe talking about like why why a podcast. I know yeah. my reason.
1: Do you know mine? No. All right. I'll let you go first. Okay.
0: <laughs> my reason is that I am extrinsically motivated and this will help me actually get it done.
1: This great reason. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I need to be accountable to. I mean, I mean I'm genuinely excited. Like I really love this idea and I love designing transparently i love like letting people in on the process even if sometimes it can lead to dangerous expectations about what something is going to look like but i would always much rather be totally public about what it is that we're thinking about and working on and and you know batting ideas around with other people than sort of sequestered away designing secretly cuz i'm proud of what we made Even if I don't want to play it right now, I'm proud of this thing that we made. And I want to let people know that we're doing it again. And this is the way that I'm going to actually work on it.
1: Yeah, I think both of us are uh, deadline motivated designers. The kind of people who will put something off until there's a extremely urgent demand and then rush to complete it just in time. So one advantage of a podcast is that we are giving ourselves extremely urgent deadlines every 2 weeks for the foreseeable future so thank you for <laughs> making this possible
0: <laughs> yep october 2018 yep here we come
1: i i think the process of designing games is itself worth talking about and worth sharing and worth showing you know we've we've kickstarted four games now and with each game it's been its own unique journey to go from the concept, the original idea, to an actual product that we could promise in a Kickstarter and then past that into a finished shippable object. And it's different every time and it's full of surprises and there's, there's a never-ending amount of things to learn and improve. And sometimes I think the dead ends that we walk down, the the wrong choices that get made, that you have to circle back and try something new, those are still worth talking about and worth sharing. They're really interesting. And for example, in Questlandia, in our early character development, we had it. So you're choosing between these characters and one of them dies.
0: Oh, yeah. The one I that forgot isn't chosen. That.
1: It sort of kicked off every game with a, a murder mystery. Why did this character die? And that ended up not being a perfect fit for the tone of the game. But two years later, we made Noirlandia, largely inspired by that. A game that uses Questlandia's character creation, but brings back the murdered person and kicks off a whole murder mystery game, a whole storyline around that. So the dead ends that you find, they might be wrong and they might slow stuff down and they can be frustrating, but they can still have gold. They can still have treasure. So... By listening to this podcast, by the, you know, exposing all of these different parts of the process, there might be treasure to share. There might be great things to talk about, parts that get hidden in a final product normally. Maybe. I don't know.
0: (laughs) I guess we'll see, right? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you for joining us for the first leg of the journey, I guess. Thank you. Right? Yeah. It's only just beginning. Literally only just beginning for us. We have a notebook that we bought a few weeks ago with some of our first notes about what is going to get carried over into this game.
1: So we'll be doing our homework to make sure that we have something worth talking about next week. (laughs) Yes.
0: (laughs) And with that, in the next episode, we plan on talking about Metaplot. (laughs)
1: Meta world meta,
0: meta plot and meta worlds. We'll be talking about the world between worlds in Questlandia, which is an idea that we don't entirely agree on.
1: hmm. Yeah. You know, maybe we're past the most ferocious <laughs> disagreement, but there's a lot to the idea of whether it's worthwhile to have this this world that everybody experiences versus everybody's game being perfectly unique. So we'll get into that next week, justifying it and talking out the plans for it.
0: So this is the format that we'll be using for design doc episodes where we have a scripted introduction and then we have questions that we've written up for each other. And we'll be going back and forth answering those questions in our two-person roundtable. Yeah. So if you have questions for us and if you have questions, especially for our next episode about why we're adding this meta story to Questlandia, why we think it matters, what that's going to look like, ask us online. We have started a Twitter. It is Design doc Pod, so you can tweet to us or email us at designdocpod at gmail.com, or you can talk to me on Twitter. I'm Han Bandit,
1: Or me at A drawn Novel.
0: Evan does good tweets. He does nice art, lots of beautiful art, so I recommend following Evan there.
1: Hannah's Twitter is... <laughs> it's a mess. It, it's the one to, to follow. <laughs> it's really a mess.
0: <laughs> the Design Doc intro-outro theme was created by our friend, musician Pat King... So thank you, Pat. If you enjoyed Design Doc, visit oneshotpodcast.com, where you'll find lots of other great role-playing game podcasts like Backstory, Modifier, and Campaign Pod. Thank you to the One Shot Podcast Network for hosting us. We're so happy to be on board. We'll see you soon, heroes.